But this uh, is that a threat? You guys? Stink. No, no. I, I started the recording though, so we are live. <laughs> Please keep that in. I think I think we started with Jin with JT sighing exasperatedly. Jin going, is that a threat? <laughs> Welcome to Knowing Faith. Welcome to Knowing Faith. This is Kyle Worley. I'm joined by my threatening and sighing co-workers. You threatened us. It wasn't me who threatened you. You threatened us. I did. I did. I did. I just told them, hey, guys, if we want this episode to be short, it could be, but it doesn't have, but but that's really up to us. Um, We're going to do justice to the passage, Kyle. Thank you, JP. I was going to play flippantly with the biblical text like I am wanting to do. Um, I've been in rooms before, Kyle. I just want want you to have to read all the names. Can we get that? Oh, there's no way that's happening. (laughs) Nope, that ain't... uh, let me well. Let me start with my opening question. Why shouldn't a reader just zoom through Romans sixteen? I mean, like, all right, got the got the big idea. I'm Audi five thousand. What what am I supposed to do here? <laughs> Audi. Okay, we got to start this over. <laughs> no, I love, I love, love, love Romans sixteen. I don't know the best way to kind of uh, frame this up in terms of like a metaphor or an analogy, but like, I we really believe. I know the three of us believe, and one of the convictions of the New Testament is that the local church is a family. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a family of fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters and grandfathers and grandmothers and aunts and uncles and kids and everything in between of, of these people who are being bound together through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross and in his resurrection. And this is like the family photo of mm-hmm. what what does the photo look like of one of the first churches in the first century in Rome. And to, to get a snapshot of who Paul includes here, and, and you're right, we can't we can't read every name, we can't talk about every single person here, but there are some snapshots here that give us so much hope about what the church is, about who's included in the church and who's included in this work that God is doing, whether it's Phoebe or Tertius and Cortus. I mean, there's we'll get to these, but there's there's really a it's almost like what Jen talks about in genealogies. There's some mm-hmm. gold in the genealogies. Here, when you get to Paul's kind of concluding final instructions or greetings to the people in the church, you can begin to get get real insight of who's here. Oh, my goodness. Look, this person is here and this person is here. Mm-hmm. And that's only possible because of what Jesus has done. Yeah. What I actually kind of like the contrast between the Old Testament genealogies or even the genealogies we find in the Gospels for Jesus and these lists that you find in the epistles. Because um, when you see lists of names and you want to glaze over, right, um, in the Old Testament, you're glazing over a list that is talking about this straight arrow of righteousness, like all the way down to Christ. But then you get to the epistles and it's just all of these names, right? Mm-hmm. Because the righteousness of God is being proclaimed through a thousand arrows going out in a thousand directions. And so that's just one of the things that I love about how there are two different kinds of lists and they're telling us two different things uh, about the way that the plan of the Lord goes forth um, through individuals with names. And so it's it's a it's a nice opportunity, you know, to think about, oh, these were real people who lived at a real time and ministered in real ways. Um, but also just that contrast between the righteous line kind of lists that we see in the Old Testament and in the genealogy of Christ, and then these where it's just like he's got he you get the sense that he's like, oh, and this person, oh, and and thank this person too. Um, and that he it's almost like uh, more names come to mind than he can even do justice to. Yeah. I just want it to be noted here that I used a familial metaphor and Jen used 
a warfare. I, that's so good. We're rubbing <laughs> off on each other. Yeah, that's right. Or maybe it's terrible. I don't know. <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll come in with a sports metaphor now. Here we go. Uh, so uh, it's like Paul is passing the basketball to just the next person, the next person, the next person. So the last person can score a touchdown, you know? Uh, traveling. And, and then we all get buckets. Um, so uh, who is Phoebe? Who is she? It's a she. Well, just for the record, Phoebe is not yeah. Frank. It, uh, nor was it a, a, a you know an ancient name for a man. Phoebe is a girl. Yeah, um, she's a she's a deaconess is is what we think, right? Is that risky? I don't think it's risky. I mean, there is it is important for us to say there's debate over this. So we're talking about early church, uh, and one of the main questions would be is is the office of deacon as we now understand it that is developed for us in the Book of Acts and later on. Is, is this something that's known in Rome? And so what we do know for sure is that the, the language that Paul used here is she is she is a deke or a deaconess, uh, somebody who is, and that, that word means servant. Mm-hmm. That word means somebody who's serving and coming alongside and, and helping facilitate. We see that in the book of Acts where deacons are appointed to serve uh, those who are not being served because the the apostles are being pulled in other directions. And so here we have Phoebe, and, and, and I think this is a really, really important text for us understanding the early churches. Paul is elevating this woman to a, to a, a ministry level of, of deacon in the life of the church is the way that I would take this passage. And somebody who's serving him, serving his ministry, serving, and it says here in verse 1, he says, I commend to you our sister. There's that familial mm-hmm. language again, is that he understands Phoebe to be somebody who is who is his sister, like his ally in ministry, somebody that he can't do without Phoebe. Her name's Phoebe, a servant or a deaconess of the church at Sancria, uh, which means that she has this role of this at this church. She's likely a beneficiary. She's somebody who's being benevolent to the church, mm-hmm. giving significantly to the church where the, the, the pastor, the elder, the presbyteros of the church at Sanacre would say like, our ministry can't go forward without Phoebe is likely mm-hmm. what he would be saying is that there mm-hmm. is there is this commitment that she has to the church. She's serving us in these significant ways. And Phoebe is the person who in all likelihood is delivering this letter. So Paul writes this letter. Phoebe takes it mm-hmm. to the church in Rome. And what we where I want to be clear here is we don't have biblical hardline evidence that she did this, but we can say very confidently that she's the one who reads this letter to the church in Rome. She she takes it, she delivers it, and she's probably the one who reads it to the church in Rome. Again, can, can we say, well, here's where the verse says it? No, but this was a very common practice that the person who delivers the letter reads the letter. So she's probably one, the one who's, and we've said this before in the podcast, is opening this scroll in a household church in Rome and Jews and Gentile Christians are now listening to Phoebe read the letter, the inspired letters of the apostle Paul to this church. Well, and I, you know, I think that you're hearing more and more people say this lately um, and, and even place emphasis on the female names that we're going to find in this chapter. And I think that's a, it's a good exercise. I think we need to keep in mind it's a corrective exercise. And so you're going to hear people perhaps talk more loudly about this than than you have in previous decades. Um, and so while we want to recognize the beauty of what's happening here, we also don't want to overstate it. We want we want to look at this and say, you know, how would it have come to the original audience? Um, they would have heard this as normal, right? Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Not that Paul is championing women, but that he's simply 
just describing his relationships with those who have been in ministry alongside him. And so that's important to balance this out. Um, But I also notice here, like Phoebe, it says, uh, she's been a patron of many and of myself as well. And I think about how like, our listeners can probably associate with how maybe someone approached you and said, hey, I'm going over uh, to be a missionary. Would your family consider supporting us on a monthly basis or a one-time gift? And you go and you look at your personal finances and you go, you know what, we can carve out this much money to support this particular family. And then you get another person who comes and asks you for that. And you're like, oh, I'm sorry, I've already committed that that money to this other uh, missionary. Well, in Phoebe's case, She's loaded, man. Like she's like, who else can I support? Um, so she's a she's a woman of means, but she's also this is significant. She has pride of place in the list. Like mm-hmm. he opens with Phoebe, uh, mm-hmm. which means, and that's why commentators say pay attention. It's not because they're they're digging for a female name and then trying to give it a status that um, will somehow recapture the importance of women. She's a, she's the first one he greets and he, and he takes his time with it, talking about what she's like and giving her credibility with the church that she's going to. So that's where this is coming from, not some overtorque desire to um, to dignify women at whatever cost. He's actually dignifying her here because she's going to need it as she carries the letter into a church where she may not be known. And he's using this same term again that he uses earlier, welcome one another. He's saying to Jewish, Jews, Jew and Gentile Christians. It's also said, we read this in our last episode, Paul welcomes everyone in Rome to hear about the kingdom of God. And now he's saying, welcome her. Mm-hmm. And so there's there's this, I think, theme that Paul is, is highlighting for the church in Rome, that welcoming people in, welcoming in the outsider, welcoming in the one that you don't know, the sojourner, mm-hmm. to, to be a part of this community that Jesus is creating, I think is important. He's saying, welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints, those who are, who are being made holy by the Holy Spirit, and help her in whatever she may need from you. Mm-hmm. For she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. So he's 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 giving her, like you said, Jen, this pride of place of saying she's in. She she is a saint. Welcome her as a saint. Care for her. Let her care for you because she's indispensable to my ministry. Yeah, I was going to say to borrow language that we've used before, this woman is essential and indispensable to the mission. That's right. You know, it's interesting, Jen, I think your point is well made because when these passages are discussed after the fact, particularly in kind of our modern global West church setting, they're they're discussed with a kind of like, Oh, look, CCC, mm-hmm. uh, what, what Paul's doing here mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's like, no, no, no. Paul is just living the normal life of a brother in Christ mm-hmm. Jesus. And he is speaking of other people, men and women, in that way. He's not trying to like, he's not looking 2,000 years ahead and be like, you know what? I wonder what American Christians are going to be talking about mm-hmm. in 2022 about the nature of women in the life of the mm-hmm. church. I probably ought to make sure that I really focus on something here. <laughs> It's like, no, he's just talking about the people that he's laboring and working with. He's yeah. not trying to like get a book published. You he's, know what I'm saying? He is profoundly not concerned with the threat of third wave feminism. Like he's just not. Exactly right. And yeah. so like we, while we should read this and celebrate that women are mentioned, we should not, we should not take this and apply it to whatever our own agenda is. So good. 
The CSB Life Council Bible provides biblical counsel and practical wisdom for pastors, ministry leaders, counselors, parents, couples, and any individual seeking practical wisdom through the application of God's Word. It includes more than 150 full-length articles on a wide range of topics and tough issues from respected Christian counselors and scholars. Visit csblifecouncilbible.com to get your copy today. Visit csblifecouncilbible.com to get your copy today. What bridge is God calling you to cross that the gospel might go forth among the nations? Women like Lilius Trotter, Harriet Newell, and Sarah Hall Boardman Judson have indeed crossed their own bridges to get to the lost. Discover the stories of 10 inspiring female missionaries who changed the world for Christ. 10 Women Who Changed the World is Seminary President Daniel Aiken's powerful tribute to these women who fulfilled the Great Commission. May we all follow in their footsteps. 10 Women Who Changed the World is available wherever books are sold. You know how I feel about these passages with a lot of names. Uh, Actually, I think think it is a New Testament genealogy. I think that this is the point. Like, this is the family. It's just not. Oh, yeah. That's that's what I meant, too. (laughs) It's a family that's gone to war together, a war of passing basketballs. Yeah. Score a touchdown. touchdown. Kyle, picking up in verse three, go ahead and read. Uh, yeah, Greek. Oh gosh. Uh, no. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of names here. There are names of men. There are names of women. Mm -hmm. There are names of Gentiles. There are names of Jews. There are some of these that he, uh, gives a little bit more information about. So we hear things like greet Mary, who has worked Mm -hmm. hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles and they were in Christ before me. So like, okay, huh. Uh, uh, greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ. Uh, you know, all the... <laughs> it's getting harder. <laughs> do verse 12. Do verse 12. Uh-huh. 12 yeah, greet those 12. workers in the Lord, Tryphenia and Tryphosa. I like uh, to think that those are twins. Oh, yeah. 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 Kind of like how you guys are birthday twins. They're twins. Birthday Ooh, twins. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, birthday triplets. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, some other names here. Do uh, verse 14. Do verse 14. Not a chance. <laughs> Am I going to read that? A, a syncretist, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, the brothers who are with them. Mm-hmm. And then Philologist, golly. And then Philologus, <laughs> Julia. Julia. Pretty basic name, mm-hmm. Julia. Uh, and uh, all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Bang. Hey, good um, job, Kyle. I'm proud of you. You did that. really well. So this is actually, I mean, these are really good things to focus in on. Like Persis, this one, this was the one that just kept jumping out at me as we were teaching through it in the Bible study in verse 12. Greet the beloved Persis who has worked hard in the Lord. Persis mm. is a female name. And Persis is not just a hard worker. She is beloved. And I'm trying to think like, how many times have I said like uh, Greek Kyle Worley, my beloved brother in the Lord? But but that's you know we don't we are not always um, we are far more guarded in the way that we speak of each other and to each other. Um, and yet here we see Paul saying, "No, she is beloved. Like she is, and she's worked hard, and her hard work demonstrates why she is beloved." Um, and then when he gets down to verse 16, greet one another with a holy kiss. It's always like, whoa, everybody has to, you know, make sure that we know that's not normative. Um, what do you think, guys? Should we be greeting one another 
with a holy kiss. Uh, I don't think I'll be up to doing that. Um, I hope not. I'm, I'm actually not even, I'm hug challenged, so I'm going to have a hard time with the holy kiss coming back. Yeah, I think what Paul's getting at here is how, how do families greet each other? Do mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah, he's saying. That's good. Is, that, is that how does your family greet each other? How, how, what is normative for the family to greet each other? Is do that because you're a family. You mm-hmm. aren't, you're just like members of the YMCA together or a lifetime mm-hmm. fitness where you like kind of oh, give a fist bump or a nod because you're, they're working out at the same time. It's like, this is your family. And imagine mm-hmm. like a, every time you got, gather together, it's like Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And when grandma walks in the door, what would you do? Would you give her a hug? Would you then, then hug her? Like that's, that's what you do when you're gathering together as the churches. Mm-hmm. Greet each other as the family of God that Christ has made you. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. And families have different ways of showing, of expressing affection. And so um, the modern family, the modern day family of the church expresses affection in a different way than the ancient family did. But we, sh- but it should not be in a, in a way that is um, less evident of our love for one another. That's right. That's right. And then there's a turn, you know, he's, he's, he's kind of magnified and celebrated and greeted the people he's loved. And now he charges them. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions, create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. That verse 20 brings me back to 90s kids camp. I know. I was just, it always pops into my head, that song. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. JT, do you know that one? I don't know that one. No, I was listening to Tom Petty back then. The God of peace will soon crush crush Satan. Satan. God will crush him. Where? Underneath your feet. (laughs) Yep. But there's little hand motions too that are hysterical. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like little horns for Satan and yeah. Sometimes I wonder if I would have been a kid in the in the church in the nineties if I would be saved now or if I would have been rebelling. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um but like he is telling them something very I mean, this is really he wants them to understand, hey, there's a lot of people that are doing good work. (laughs) I just gave you a bunch of their names. Uh, also be aware, not everybody who comes to you, even with sophisticated speech, even with convincing arguments is going to be a good faith operator. Mm -hmm. Some of them are there to cause trouble and yes. And amen. Uh, I think that it was true for Paul in Rome. It was true for the church in Rome. It's true for us today. Some people seem to not, um, seem some people seem to be desiring to be divisive Mm -hmm. at all possible turns. Do you think that when he sends this list that he intentionally leaves off some people's names who, as this letter is being read and he gets to the warning part, everybody's kind of like side-eyeing them. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) yeah. I think that's, I think that's reasonable. (laughs) I think there is something to learn. You know, there are other times where Paul will call out people by name, but not here. Mm -hmm. Uh, there are other times where he will address them specifically. That's true. He'll name them. But they're, right here, he doesn't. Um, and I do think his larger concern is, hey, uh, these things, these kind of uh, – you have been faithful, church in Rome. Um, but that faithfulness is going to be tested both by those who are faithless or who are unfaithful and to the master of lies, Satan. He's, he's, he's showing them, hey, it's not just going to come from Satan. It's not just going to come from divisive people. Like you're going to experience 
attack. You're going to experience persecution. You're going to experience uh, a willful attempt to undermine what God is trying to do in your church. So what do we think, how would you paraphrase verse 19? I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. What do you want for them? It's a great question for Kyle. (laughs) (laughs) I think he wants them to... I think this is innocent as doves, shrewd as serpents, mm-hmm, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like it's, hey, I don't want you to just be, you know, um, naive. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want you just walking around being like, yeah, everything's good all the time. Like I don't want you to be afraid of stepping into conflict when it's healthy and righteous. I don't mm-hmm. want you to be afraid of uh, articulating your convictions, but I also want you to not be rabble rousers. Like I want you to be mm-hmm. minded towards what is good. I want you to mm-hmm. flee from what is evil uh, and innocent mm-hmm. from. I just, I don't want you to be complicit in it, but I do want you to address it. Mm-hmm. Don't participate in it, but also don't be ignorant to it. Yes, exactly right. Yeah, I think so, right? I mean, it feels like it's innocent as dove, shrewd as serpents. It feels like it's just a different way of saying that. Yeah, I would agree. Any any disagreement there, JT? No, not for me. Well, especially because verse 20, God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Like, you know, we know about serpent crushers. And so we're, we're, we're being told here like, hey, if you're being um, as innocent as a dove and as shrewd as a serpent, then you will actually crush the serpent. Um, and that's, that's Christ. You'll become like Christ. Hmm. I love the doxologies that we find in these letters. Can I do one more we- thing before we get to the doxology? Yeah. Yeah. I was. I know what it space. is, and I want you to say it. Well, okay. Well, I, I, I want to highlight that this is not this is not an insight of my own. I remember we had Andy Crouch come mm-hmm. into a forum for us at TBC, and he had some staff time uh, with I don't know a couple dozen of us beforehand, and I forget why he what he what he he wasn't teaching on Romans, but he highlighted he was teaching on this. power. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. He was teaching on power, and he highlighted uh, verses twenty two and twenty three for us. I'll just read them real quick and remember the insight that I got from it, and would love for you guys to add anything. He said. So what Paul says, I, Tertius, wrote this letter. I greet you in the Lord. So first, you've got a guy whose name is Tertius, which means third, likely a slave, not worthy of having or not worthy of having a, a, a birth name. Just he's the that's the third one right there. Mm-hmm. Gaius. And by the way, he's the Tertius writes this like he's mm-hmm. the one who's penning it for Paul. So he has some literary skills. Verse 23, Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church. This guy named Gaius is hosting this. He greets you, Erastus, the city treasurer. So you have Gaius and Erastus, who have some means. One's a city mm-hmm. treasurer. Gaius is hosting and hosting the church. Uh, and our brother, Cortus, Cortus meeting fourth. And so here mm-hmm. in, in four verses, you have four men mentioned, a very different, uh, Cortus being probably Tertius's brother, third slave, fourth slave, uh, or former slave, and then Gaius and Erastus here in the same church. And and when Andy highlighted this, it just like my eye, I don't know what happened for you guys. Kyle, were you there for this? I can't remember. I was. Okay. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if you, were, if you were there, but my eyes just opened this, is even realizing here in the church, you have you have the things that would define a community outside the Church of Rome. Tertius a slave, Cortus a slave, Gaius a host, Erastus the city treasurer, that they would have had so many things that they would not have held in common in 
in society. Mm -hmm. But when they walk into the doors of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, bought and purchased by his blood, all of those distinctions that would distinguish us out in the world fade away. And we're now brothers and sisters in the Mm -hmm. Lord. And power in the church looks fundamentally different than power in the world does. Tertius does not have less power in the church than Erastus has, even though Mm -hmm. he's the city treasurer because they're both now brothers in the ward. And and that was one of the things that Andy was talking about is highlighting for us how the things that distinguish us in the world no longer distinguish us when we're in in Christ and in the local church. So you've got got high and low in society. You've Mm -hmm. got um, women who are have more societal power and less societal power. You've got men with more societal power and less societal power. You've got Greek names. You've got Jewish names. You've got Roman names. You've got people who are named after Greek gods. You've got people who are a a number for a name. And when you read it, I believe what Paul wants us to understand um, is in order that we might know how high and wide and long and deep is the love Mm. of God in Christ. This is a it's drawn out for us here that, you know, who do you think he can't save? Are you nuts? He can save anyone he wants. And not only will he save us, but he will perfect us by bringing us together in unity into a family such as the world has not known. Let's go. I want to preach this one this week. I've got like a year (laughs) until I'm going to get to it, but that is so good, Jim. Amen. Yeah, it is. And um, related, Andy Crouch just had a book come out, Life We're Looking For. It's fantastic plug for Andy Crouch's book. Also, if Andy Crouch, if, if you listen to this and you want to start a great... <laughs> we almost held a straight face. <laughs> I, 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 big, big fan over here. If you want to start a podcast, holler at your boy. If you're getting, I can, uh, you're listening and getting dumber by the moment. I, 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 I can, I can help you. Um, so oh if, if anybody knows Andy Crouch, just have him holler at me. Have his people okay. call my people. You need to stop. Um, uh, I love the doxologies we find in Paul's letters. Uh, verse 25 uh, through verse 27. I'm going to read this whole thing because why not? Um, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Doxology. Mm-hmm. I mean, what is a doxology? It's, uh, gosh, it, it's worship. That's what doxology is. It's praise. It's adoration. It's a formulation of something substantive into praise. It's not just a concept. It's a concept articulated for worship. And Paul has these scattered throughout his letters. We There's already been, you know, at least one other defined doxology here. There's probably been a couple um, in Romans. And it is an opportunity for Paul to celebrate who God is, to draw the attention of the audience back to really where he wants it to be, which is on God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is how he sees fit to conclude the letter to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. And what a proper end to this very meaty, weighty letter that he has written to the church in Rome and what a encapsulation of his heart, which is the glory of God in the glory of Jesus Christ. It just feels fitting that it ends this way. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it? Yeah. And I think that we get to the end of it and we hear amen and we think amen means the end, you know, and we mm. even, you know, when someone says amen, 
you can you can imagine, I think, um, this letter being read to this church and and this amen being spoken and them responding amen. And we've all been in rooms where that has occurred. Um, and I think that we can sometimes rush past the meaning of that word. It means let it be so, like let it be. And 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 what Paul is saying and inviting all of his listeners into is to say, let it be thus among the children of God. Um, yeah. And how um, each time you pray and you say amen, and it's not let it be according to my will, right? I mean, go back to the Lord's prayer. It's let it be according to the Lord's will. This is the amen that Mary gives when she says, let it be unto me according to what you have said. Um, and so I think when you look back over all of the time that we've spent in the book of Romans and all of the, the passages that would have confronted them uh, and all of the passages that would have comforted them that now confront and comfort us as members of the modern day church, can you say with a clear conscience, I'm in, I want that because that's mm. what amen is. I'm in is amen. I just, that just, that was, that's right now. That's for free. That just happened. In, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it is, it's, it's, it's not just, it is, it is a word of submission. That's what I think mm. we need to take from this. It is not a word of congratulations or of completion. It is a word of submission. And so yeah. can we say at the end of our walk through Romans, I submit myself to this teaching um, as a servant of Christ, just as Paul, a servant of Christ does in his example. That's good. You know, and one of the things that's interesting, and we, we, I don't know if you remember this, going all the way back uh, to, I think it was our second episode in Romans, we, we looked at something that's in Paul's opening greeting, a phrase that he uses here that he then comes back to in this doxology. In Romans 1.5, Paul says, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. That's the very beginning. He's kind of talking about this is why I'm here. This is what the message of the gospel is. This is my mission, the obedience of faith. And then in Romans 16, um, verse 26 and 27, he says, but now has been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. And so there's this, gosh, kind of wrapping up. It's like Paul's like, hey, I'm coming to you so that the obedience of faith might be brought about. And then in the end, he's saying, now I want to thank God that he is doing everything that's required to bring about the obedience of faith. And he's done so through this, through the prophetic writings, and for that reason, all glory to God in Jesus Christ. And so it's really interesting to just see him kind of close out his letter in a way that's very similar to how he began, which is not uncommon for letters at this time, nor is it certainly uncommon for Paul's letters, but just such a fitting way to close up things and to celebrate. And yes, like Jen, like you said, like to say, amen, I'm in, this is what I'm committed to. I am committed mm -hmm. to this. Truly, this is who I am and what I am striving for. And so what an incredible journey. Gosh, mm -hmm. I've learned a ton going through Romans. I really have. Uh, I, I can still, I'm still thinking about like a couple of the episodes we did, particularly the one with Mike Bird. And Jarvis Williams, both of those episodes, I just felt like I got off of them and was like, man, I need to write down a lot of what they just said <laughs> <laughs> for my sermons. Um, but I've just learned so much. It's been such a uh, fun journey going through this letter. Has it? 
You don't think so? I feel like I need about 30 more trips through the book of Romans. I feel like it didn't, like there, I feel like it, I, it got deeper and wider and longer and higher for me. Yeah, I feel that. But I mean, I've really learned, but I think I feel, it feels, I don't know that it's, parts of it have gotten clearer for me. Parts of it, I'm like, gosh, I mean, like the last time I went through Romans, um, different things jumped out to me than do mm. this time through. And so I kind of want to sit with it for a while and ask um, better questions about where's Paul's emphasis? Because I know that like the first time I, I did a deep dive into Romans, I was very concerned with the issue of predestination. Mm-hmm. And so I spent a lot of time sort of hyper-focused on those passages. And then I think this time through, based on where things are in the culture and in the church, that unity message was the one that just kept popping up for yep. me. Um, and so I'm, I think I'm left at the end of this time through asking, what did Paul want me to take away? Because I don't only want to take away the thing that is most top of mind for me. Okay. Um, so I gotta, I'm going to think about that some more. Or if you want to tell me what the answer is, that also would be great. Now, I resonate with that a lot, Jen. I think, uh, you know, my seminary experience, again, which I which was great, but you're reading historical theology. I was reading Calvin and Bavinck and mm-hmm. Edwards and others while reading Romans, and so you can tend to ask the questions maybe that Calvin is mm-hmm. asking in the Reformation of Romans. That's not a bad thing to do, but I think what, what this trip through Romans has done for me is it's a— it, uh, maybe I'd say it this way. This time through, I feel like I'm taking the Bible on its own terms. And that's ultimately what we're supposed to be doing is I got deeper into the question that Paul is trying to answer, the ethical issue between Jews and Gentiles, why he's why he's giving them this theology to lead them to unity and sacrifice and service mm-hmm. and submission to each other in 12 through 16. Not just – Romans is not a systematic theology, although I love systematic theology, and I think Paul would have been a good systematic theologian. He's writing a specific letter to a specific church, to a mm-hmm. specific, specific people with a specific problem. And we have a lot of those problems in our church today. So I think putting kind of a new lens on helped me, helped me take the Bible and Romans specifically on its own terms. It's mm-hmm. good. Well, I am excited uh, about our next season. And I cannot wait to tell you that next season, we're going to be looking at You'll find dun, out dun, in a Q&A oh. episode next week. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, if I'm not mistaken, uh, this is the episode we just did. Hold on. Let me make sure here. I'm double checking my math. Nope. Next episode. <laughs> next episode. Will be you our guys one- better listen to the next episode. <laughs> Next episode will be our 150th episode of Knowing Faith. Oh my gosh. Unbelievable. So much talking. So much talking. Oh, I need to fact, I need to do the math on the minutes uh, for how many minutes that is. But, uh, and we could double it for the banter we had before and after we start recording. Exactly. There's no doubt about that. There's no doubt about that. Well, next episode, we're going to answer your questions. It is the one Q&A to rule them all. Next episode, we're going to be answering listener questions that you submitted on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And if you're looking for us, you can find us on Knowing Faith uh, Podcast, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you get your podcast. Hey, a lot of you have always asked, like, I get these DMs pretty regularly. Hey, I want to support Knowing Faith. How can I do that? Do you know a really simple way? You can go to wherever you get your podcast, but preferably Apple Podcasts because they rule the world. Uh, and you can give us a rating and leave a review. And be honest, let me know how great you think we are uh, on this podcast. Uh, if you have a negative thing, you you could just write that on a piece of paper, drop it in your trash can. Um, that'd be the best place to put that one. 
But if you've got a positive review for us, Kyle's you, got can leave it on, you can leave it on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we have a cohort coming up. You may not know this, but Jen, JT, and myself run a cohort for church leaders, really focused on senior leaders or executive leaders in the lives of churches, about how to grow deep discipleship in the life of your church. We have some very limited spots available for the fall cohort that's coming up, fall 2022. Application is open now at trainingthechurch.com. Check out our sister show, The Family Discipleship Podcast. We will see you on the next Q&A episode. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Grace and peace.